0: Welcome to the podcast. My name is Dr. Stuart Squires. I'm an Associate Director of the Center for Faith and Culture and Associate Professor of Theology at the University of St. Thomas in Houston. The Center for Faith and Culture, celebrating 25 years, brings the Catholic voice to the ongoing conversation about the meaning of life and the liberty and pursuit of happiness we hold in in common as Americans. The center seeks to understand and impact in a meaningful way the relationship between and among the many facets of the American way of life in relation to God's ongoing loving encounter with humanity. Today's guest is Dennis Demirer. He is the founder of Demirer Film, a media company. First of all, thank you very much for joining me.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: Um, I'd like to certainly talk about your company and the projects you're working on right now and and, uh, being Catholic in the film industry in general. But before we get to that, why don't we sort of start with your childhood? Uh, Tell us a bit about your uh, religious upbringing in the home. Sure.
1: I... Uh, I was born in Warsaw, Poland, a uh, country comprised of about eighty-seven uh, percent Catholics. Uh, my mother was Catholic. My father is uh, uh, when when my mother uh, met him uh, was a, was a Muslim, a Turk. Um, uh, so they met in Turkey when my uh, mother was on vacation, and he eventually showed up at her doorstep in uh, in Warsaw. Um, and this was, of course, under communism in the seventies. So he had a uh, he had a lot of uh, liberties to come and go, but it was it was a little bit more difficult for the family to travel. Um, but in terms of religious upbringing, uh, um, I uh, I was always around it. I mean, I was I was saturated in mm-hmm. it. I didn't know that there was anything different uh, to consider other than the Catholic uh, faith. My father, uh, although he was Muslim, he um, he didn't really practice it. He was a little uh, indifferent to religion. Um, overall, it took my mother a few years—about five years—for t- him to to kind of agree to, to a church wedding, hmm. which they finally had. Um, and I saw photographs of those, and he doesn't look extremely uh, um, happy. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he doesn't look
0: unhappy. Again, it's just—it's more of a of an indifference. <laughs> sure. So by the time you were born and you grew up, like any hint of Islam have- on his part was totally gone or did he hold on to any anything at all no not that um no, no. i
1: don't recall any kind of um images of ideas we would visit turkey uh we would we would visit istanbul i do remember being um on the balcony with my aunt uh holding me in her arms and i heard the call to prayer sort mm. of echoing out over the over the sea uh, from the minarets, so I do I, there are moments bits but not really directly from mm-hmm. my father of course the Quran or the open Quran on the highest point in the home I remember being in, at the top of a uh, of a dresser uh, but that was that was only in Istanbul he himself mm-hmm. whatever he brought he didn't bring any of that identity or if he even had that identity in him to um, to Poland so and eventually he converted to, to mm-hmm.
0: Christianity too. Uh, but as you sort of already mentioned, this was 70s, 80s and into the 90s, um, where, of course, communism uh, until the late 80s um, um, reigned. Um, talk about your your memories as a child and as a young man about uh, coming from this Catholic family and but at the same time living under under the communist rule.
1: Sure. So I was pretty young uh, when we left. We, I was five years old. Um, so this was uh, mid eighties. Um, we basically got a two week visa to leave and never came back. So Mm -hmm. there was a lot of selling off of things very quickly. Mm -hmm. Um, it was, it was kind of this, this kind of crude, um, last minute thing; everything was sort of by the by the seat of the pants, as the expression goes. Mm-hmm. I guess we went to visit a friend um, in Czechoslovakia, I believe, and eventually uh, we were uh, accepted as asylum seekers in Austria and spent uh, about three years um, in various refugee camps oh, wow. in Austria. And I saw a, uh, a cover of a of an eighties Time magazine with Gaddafi on the front cover, and at the bottom left hand corner there was a little a uh, square box with some text that said 33,000 migrant uh, migrants uh, leave and flood the refugee camps in Austria and I was part of that migration of people leaving um, mm-hmm. leaving the quote-unquote eastern bloc although Poland of course is central but right um central europe uh so um Am I answering the question?
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, we could have a whole episode just on your experience yeah. of of, uh, of of living in those camps. Um, one thing I am curious about, though, of course, uh, John Paul II was the Pope at the time. Mm-hmm. Polish uh, uh, citizen, first non-Italian to be the Pope in about 500 years. The Polish people were are to this day certainly very proud of him. Do you remember the as a child uh, before you left, uh, sort of? Um, uh, images thoughts um, conversations that you overheard of people talking about the Pope being Polish
1: I think it's so part of me that it was never anything it was it's such such an affinity of, of my being and my existence that I, I that it was never a contrast so I, I, I can't distinguish it as as something that was uh, it, it, uh, it was, it was uh, somehow special okay. it was just, just it was and <laughs> it was wonderful right. um and a lot was going on i mean at that time um but n- there was no point that was distinctive in any way it was just part of part of life and i was i was um I had pro- I think uh when was when he, did he become pope? Uh 78 78. Mm-hmm. So I was 2. So mm-hmm. um so I mean it of, was yeah. like my life basically began with him as a pope.
0: Right. Well, I'm not Polish, you know, but I remember 2005 and then seeing Benedict come out and I'm like, wait a minute. And I wasn't even Catholic at the time. I'm a convert, and I remember, but I remember Benedict coming out on the loggia and thinking that's that's not right. You know, there's I mean John Paul's the pope, right? Mm. There's the Who's this other guy wearing the, you know, the Pope's clothes? So I, even even though I don't come from that same background, I certainly understand what you're saying. So you're about nine years old when you came to the U.S., is that right? So then when you come here, the the friends that you would have met, I'm assuming, uh, in elementary school didn't come from that background. They didn't have sort of John Paul II in sort of in their in the water that they they grew up in and uh did you go to catholic school when you got here or we were um
1: we had come through a refugee transitions uh program that was supposed to take us to boston um somehow all of our luggage got lost we ended up at jfk and rerouted to uh blessed sacrament uh in uh bethesda maryland sure and um and we were part of that uh, refugee transitions program there. We had a liaison that came, and I remember he was we were in New York, and he looked at my father, and he looked at my family, and he said, "You're in New York City. Keep your eyes open." <laughs> and I just remember that like you know image. That yeah. was contrast. Right. You know this whole life. I mean, this is New York City in the '80s. That's like yeah. you know, that's such an iconic uh, place, at right the time but um but eventually we were rerouted and we had one i think just our carry on luggage that ended up with us at uh blessed sacrament we were housed for uh a number of months there with another ethiopian family who i remember uh cooking i remember walking into the kitchen and the and the the lady was cooking on the on the ground on this hot plate i mm-hmm. just remember the the smells and mm. everything um but uh, but really uh, that initial transition was with, through a Catholic organization. But then once we moved out away from Bethesda and into uh, America, so to, so so to speak, I guess into more of suburban, more of the suburban areas. Uh, my mother, I don't think, had even caught on. I mean, I knew that she had to have known that there was a multiplicity of of, of denominations. Sure, um, but. It, again it, it's like once you've internalized something and at her age she probably didn't think much of us going to church quote unquote so mm-hmm. we would run over to the Pentecostal church across mm. the street and spend a lot of time there with the youth pastor and the ministers and you know in the in the, the the groups the youth groups and it was really kind of you know very high energy and um they had a lot of activities for us, so we would constantly be going to church mm-hmm. uh and I sometimes laugh. Because I think there was a moment where we had an interaction, and my mom kind of dawned on her that we weren't like going to a Catholic church we were going to a <laughs> pentecostal church uh and then eventually she sort of relented, and she allowed me to go to the various um jesus camps and 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 various uh pentecostal i don't know if they were technically called Jesus camps, but they were Pentecostal camps that sure. we would go to for uh week long uh, excursions um where i had a you know I had a lot of fun. Um, um, but it was very different from what I had grown up in. But you know, I was a kid, so I was just going. I was just going with the flow. There was there wasn't very much dogma. There wasn't very dogmatic. There wasn't a dogmatic um uh, thing going on within my family. My my mom and my dad were struggling so incredibly hard to make ends meet that I don't think you know. I think just the word church for them was Mm. enough to kind of get a sense that we were. Oh, in an okay place. And we were, I mean, it was, it was, it was great. The youth pastors there were, you know, at the, uh, were, were great. Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, at what point did you start to get interested in media?
1: Yeah, this is so strange. Media is tied into this real deep part of, of I feel like the fiber of my being in the sense that it it has so much to do with the way that I, became very self-conscious here, uh, as an immigrant. Uh, we were poor. Um, we were bad at the language. Uh, my parents had an incredibly difficult time adjusting and navigating. My dad is a temperamental Turk, you know, I mean, it's almost, you know, I I would, I don't want to invoke stereotypical images, but my father is a fiery human being <laughs> with a temper sure. and he you know chain smokes and all of that and so um and so it, it wasn't a figure that was easily um accepted by uh by a by a culture who i think struggles with a lot of that mm-hmm. that integration that sense uh and we were also in a very rural much more rural town then. We were away from Bethesda and from D.C., Uh, so it got progressively more difficult for him and for us, and I just got more and more caught up in trying to understand why my parents weren't getting by, in trying to understand why communication was so important, and somehow that just kept going and going and snowballing over the years uh, until I got to college, basically, Mm -hmm. and then uh, kind of another phase began. Uh, that took me much more uh directly into the media arts but uh but I think it was just kind of always there and i think self consciousness self awareness um and this constant observation of my family and of the people around me uh and I have a lot of anecdotes and a lot of stories that that I could share about individual and very specific moments um that were almost that could almost be cinematic mm. Uh, in the way that they uh, that they you know uh, made an impression
0: on me and remain that way until now mm-hmm. Did you major in cinema studies in college?
1: I majored in scientific and philosophical studies of the mind with a concentration in mind and nature, okay um, and had a minor in film, okay. and then I went to grad school for writing at the California College of Art.
0: And I also did a
1: minor there uh, in film. So it was always secondary. Uh,
0: You started a a film company, as I mentioned earlier. Tell us about um, what are the types of projects that you're interested in doing? And um, what have you done? What are the types of projects that you've done? And then how does your sort of Catholic, um, uh, your, your sense of Catholicism Uh, navigate help you navigate the types of projects you want to do what how does it guide you in um, um, the stories you want to tell
1: sure can can I backtrack just a tiny little bit absolutely Um, so uh, the experimental video artist Bill Viola uh, was somebody that was introduced to me in um, college I don't know if you're aware of his work uh but he really deals with a lot of uh metaphysical phenomena and just uh, kind of uh stuff that's that's uh, you know elemental earth and water and fire and wind um but he do incorporates all of that into the me- the, the the medium of 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 video experimental video into sound he did a piece called uh, I can't. Um, it's not going to come to me right now. As tired as my brain is, but uh, basically, the the, uh, the it was an Im- it was three panels, three video panels. One of uh of a of his mother, his own mother, passing away, dying. Oh, it's, just, it's called passing, and a um a baby being born, and then in the center, a man floating in this vat of water just like put po- in this pool of water mm-hmm. and it was just kind of time to where the the head of the baby emerges as the 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 his mother passes away and uh and i always was just so struck by his work and some other uh works by other experiment VR, experimental video artists and i realized that it 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 had this power this incredibly gripping power uh to point to something very um, very profound, very mystical, very mythical, very mysterious, very so many other things uh, come. So many other adjectives and descriptions can come to mind when I think of his work. But that's really what got me interested. Cinema and media and all of these other things then sort of f- fell into step in this awkward way because th- because there was no because I had no idea how to tap into that. I would play it around with the medium a little bit. Uh, but the vision that Bill Viola held and continues to hold as one of the top experimental video artists and and kind of you know real innovator with the medium uh everything else uh, I I tried to push everything into that afterwards how 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 can I how can I achieve that how can the things that I see take me to what I experienced when I saw his work mm-hmm. um and so uh, only over a, kind of a long time did that begin to happen when I discovered the the real cinema masters. Mm-hmm. Uh, and much of that came through a relationship I had and began when I moved to Berkeley, California, uh, to the Bay Area. Uh, and I met, uh, I actually moved to San Francisco, but I met Rob Nielsen, a, a kind of an independent icon in America um, uh, there. And I began to apprentice with him for many years and he said look there's bergman and there's tarkovsky and there's fellini and there's you know a whole vert miller and all of these filmmakers that actually have that power to take you where you want to go um and so um and so I started to work with him for many years and eventually started to make my own films um and there's a lot more to say about that
0: but um sorry I that's okay i know you've been on you've been on probably should have mentioned this earlier you've been on flights all day and you had a, a flight canceled and i know yeah, how three uh, flights three, three flights. flights. i know how tired my brain can get yeah, so i, I yeah. want to thank you for i think uh, it's the radiation
1: though from the uh, from the altitude oh <laughs> yeah i, I, <laughs> I think I, that was like you know i had my face very close to the window so maybe, maybe sure. I got. i don't little. think
0: i've ever been on three flights in one day i was on two just a couple weeks ago and that was bad enough yeah so. yeah thank you uh, yeah so um uh, just sort of wondering about your um the projects that that interest you in your own f- film company what what is it that uh, you've produced and then uh we can talk start with that and then we'll come back to the sort of uh, the catholic guiding principles so tell us about some of the films that you've made uh and uh the, the the projects you like to work on what what interests you Sure
1: so I've worked as uh an editor an actor a cinematographer uh, a director a writer. So what what I'll mention is more of the uh of the films that I had participated in as an auteur, I guess it would be the the term mm-hmm. uh the European French term for that. Um so meaning that it was an idea of mine, it was a passion of mine to fulfill and to create a certain work. Uh, and and predominantly predominantly uh at the beginning that was a lot of um eight millimeter um short films experimental uh, experimental in nature and then eventually uh that led to short films and eventually feature films so i've done six feature films to date um um and the first film i can just say uh was uh, nocturnal jake is the name of that film and it's about a jazz musician by the name of um, Jake Overstreet, played uh, brilliantly by the real-life musician, legendary Bay Area musician, uh, David Boyce. Uh, and it just follows the struggle of, uh, of a jazz musician to, um, to fight, to essentially um, really stand up for uh, the music that he finds to convey a certain truth that lives within him that he believes needs to be conveyed. Uh, So he's not pandering to an established form, nor to the expectation of his audience, nor to the market. Although he succeeds in all of those in some way by accident, but um, he also falls out of favor when he follows um, that golden thread that is within him. And, uh, and he um, has a relationship with an Argentinian um, agent manager who takes him on, who sort of pushes him um, to, uh, to the limits of what he can do. And all the while, he's grieving the loss of his mother, who he believes is speaking to her. So it's a very strange film. And this was prior to my kind of return to Catholicism. Mm. I, had, I had been away from, um, from my faith for a while. Uh, after, during college, essentially, I sort of kind of dropped that. Mm-hmm. I, I was going to church when I was at home because I wanted to appease my mother. Sure. And then I went to college. And many years after that I, I kind of wandered uh away. Uh I was very much away from the faith. Um is so there something
0: that specific that brought you back or was it a, a just a slow process? <laughs> is, that, is that a whole other episode, <laughs> that, right? That's there? another episode. Sure, we, yeah. we we yeah. could get
1: together for a few more yeah, episodes. Absolutely. Uh just yeah, I mean just in a in a if, if to make it very brief, mm-hmm. that what, what brought me back is just a frustration with um with an inability to maneuver through the world in a way that um that I thought that I could mm. and it was just a conversation I had with God and I said, I don't know what I'm doing, I don't know what you want of me. Uh, But I'll take the leap. I'll just do it. Mm -hmm. Um, And whatever happens, happens. Um, And this was, you know, already quite a number of years ago. And, I mean, he has disappointed me. So you Um, were
0: doing media prior to your sort of return to Catholicism. Then you're still doing media afterwards. So looking back, do you see any shift in um, in the work that you've done prior to your return to Catholicism, as opposed to since you've returned, either in themes or message or questions that you investigate, uh, I guess this is another way of of asking the question I asked earlier, which is how does your Catholicism um, uh, shape the the particular projects that you want to work on, that you do work on, and and the product you actually eventually produce.
1: That's a very very hard question to answer um the first film nocturnal jake uh which I, I, I to this day i find to be um extremely expressive of of um of of what's possible with with the medium we did a lot of things with that movie uh, in terms of montages and uh, mise en scène, and uh, acting, and just cutting the film in a very interesting way, uh, layering images, um, it dealt with subjects of, uh, of fear and a uh, of fear of of, of terrorists, uh, fears, uh, fears that the world is just going to collapse into some kind of abysmal nothing. Uh, fear of uh, the uh, it had it had to do with elements of relationships, the desire for children. This this saxophone player, in fact, desires children. He cannot have children because his girlfriend is his girlfriend. You know, there was a, we, we, there was no uh, you know it was it was it was doing pornography and things like that. So it was very crude, hard subjects like that mm-hmm. that I don't really go to i don't go into that territory uh right now Mm -hmm. not that i won't again um but uh but it just happened to have been the world that uh, i felt was very much um kind of threatening my my dignity at that time um And so I thought that we explore we would explore that, and I thought it was very honest. I thought I thought everybody that participated was very honest in in going there. Uh, One story from the from the film though was that uh, there was a woman who had come in who um, was doing uh, very very very. um, She was in the porno world. And I had met her in a, at the writing program at California College of Art, where I was studying, and I said, you know, would you participate in this film, just portraying a version of yourself? And I, and, I, and these ideas come from Rob Nielsen and the lineage that he comes from, which has got John Cassavetes and a lot of these filmmakers who who create circumstance uh, with 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 characters. I mean, a lot of the actors are generally actors, and she was an actor. But what, what I asked her to do was simply to pray a version of herself in the film, and, um and she would come in bruised she did a lot of SNM stuff it was really awful and uh and uh, she I would ask her um, if she was okay with intimacy and she would say yes and so she would try to have an intimate scene with a uh, co-actor which was played by which I mentioned was David David Boyce and eventually um it started to break down she was incapable of having it having that intimacy she was an incapable incapable of doing scenes mm-hmm. of any intimate nature and she took me aside and she said i don't think i can do this project anymore um because my persona in the medium is that i have to shut everything down this is how i use a medium for my for my as, as my platform this is what i do i get into these difficult sexual situations and i cannot feel anything And what you expect me to do is to feel with Mm -hmm. my co-actor and I can't do it. It's Mm -hmm. just not what the, when the camera's there, I immediately shut down. I can't do it. So she had to leave the project, unfortunately. And then, uh, and then we had to replace her and reshoot a lot of stuff. But, um, but that was, that, that was one experience that was very palpable. It spoke to me a lot about what the power of the medium is, how open actors have to be, to be believable, to be truthful. Um, and, and how certain worlds just couldn't mix mm-hmm. you know and uh, and it kind of reaffirmed that we were on the right path that maybe these other things these other pornographic uses of the medium are perhaps destructive to ultimately to our intimacy and I, mm-hmm. and anecdotally i got to see that you know through the the project i was working on right um so then the films that followed uh, were were all then more or less even as i entered the world of my faith again and i began to go to mass and i really began to try to structure my life uh, order my life uh, around those things that i understood to be uh, true uh, that that our faith teaches uh, my my girlfriend and now my wife were living together for a long time we had to decide that it was time to move apart. There's a whole screenplay that I've written called "Strangers" that I, I want to uh, make into a film about that. Uh, but it took me going to jail for that to happen. We had a really rough night one night. We couldn't um, pull. We couldn't make those commitments and decisions because we were living in sin. I mean, there's there's no mincing of words here sure. from my reality. We right. we couldn't step over the threshold, literally and metaphorically. And so um, we had a fight at 3 in the morning in, in San Francisco and, uh, and through a series of mishaps and misunderstandings and entanglements with strangers I ended up in jail for two weeks. Wow. Uh, which was a revolutionary kind of experience it, it, just on a personal level, spiritual level, but it altered hers and mine life forever and she moved out um, got our own place, stayed with friends, and we essentially started from the beginning. Uh, I mean, we we've been married now for a few years and have two kids, but we had been together at that point for four or five years without any pass. We didn't just think we could ever move, mm-hmm. and I had gotten on my knees the night of that arrest, and it's again too too. It's too perfect sometimes, you know. <laughs> I got on my knees and I and I said, "What is it? What do you want? How do I do it? What do I do? What do I do?" How is it that few hours later I end up in jail? <laughs> I,
0: I have no idea. And so you, you sort of, from that experience, came to the conclusion that the answer is we can't live together anymore. Is that is that what you took a, from a, that? Among many others, among many, okay. uh,
1: that that commitment, a commitment had to be made. That mm-hmm. steps had to be that that. Um, and I, and I remember being in jail, and I remember thinking, I remember trying to recite prayers and things. And again, this is all towards the beginning of this kind of return. Mm-hmm. And I remember trying to recite prayers and, and I realized, I'm like, gosh, I don't know. I don't know the, the decades. I don't know which, I don't know the mysteries. Mm-hmm. I don't know the individual. I What can I recite right now other than the Our Father and maybe a Hail Mary or two? I mean, I of course, the Hail Mary I knew, but I, I didn't like, I wanted to really allow my mind to fall into this meditative prayer because I knew I was there. For, for some reason that, that I had to work through. <laughs> and I realized I knew, I knew I, I almost knew nothing about my faith. I knew almost nothing about prayer life. And I, I just was so disconnected. So it was a lot more than moving out, obviously. Mm-hmm. It was just sure, this absolutely. huge um, kind of re- reconnectedness, reconnection um, in, in, a, in a spiritual sense that, that really has not let us down. Da- like the value of that, looking back on that, uh, keeps r- revealing its greater and greater, um, u- um, I don't want to say utility, uh, but in some ways it is, but mm-hmm. uh, it, it keeps revealing its, it, itself to us, itself as a necessary thing mm-hmm. that in my stubbornness in where I was, m- maybe no other way could have really done it.
0: Uh, let's talk for a while about your experience uh, in the, the media world which may or may not have an undeserved reputation of, uh, you know, when you say the word Hollywood is often kind of a, a, a short umbrella term to talk about, you know, sort of uh – Uh, secular ideals, they're pushing certain values that are anti-Catholic on the world, and that our children are sort of seeping this in through watching, you know, Disney movies or whatever. Um, So you were in the media world prior to this sort of return to Catholicism, and then you returned to Catholicism, you're still in the media world. Did you notice uh, people in in the media world treating you differently once you sort of re-embraced your Catholicism?
1: well i never I, I mean i worked in various um at various jobs so I, I, along with making films doing all these things i worked at current tv in san francisco which at that time was uh, run by al gore before mm-hmm. it was sold to al jazeera i worked at link tv as the editor of mosaic which was a show uh that was run by a palestinian man and a and an Israeli man compiling news from the Middle East to be presented to uh, the American viewer uh, through segments that were specifically selected by them and then packaged into a half-hour show. So I I worked with all of these Middle Eastern translators, and we would re-record voiceover for all the various segments, and we put it out on the air. And at at all of that time, in, in that job, there was a pretty you know, it was a very liberal, uh, establishment, mm-hmm. uh, but my Catholicism was part of a kind of a multicultural group of people that, you know, were pretty, it wasn't, it wasn't an issue. I think, I think there were issues at Link TV when I worked there, uh, when I had a supervisor who knew I was Catholic and I was given a pro-abortion, uh, segment to cut, mm-hmm. uh, that I was like, I'm like, where do I stand on this morally? Like I have to make, I have to go into work. And and like, what would happen if I spoke out? Would I get fired? Like Mm. what, I mean, all these things went through my mind. Uh, And my supervisor uh, knew I was Catholic. I'm sorry, she didn't assign that to me. She was also actually a Catholic. Um, But she wasn't the one who assigned that segment for me to work on, but she stepped in Mm. and had it Taken off sure, sure. my my plate, right? Um, which just sort of happened. Um, so those were like very direct and like really obvious um, examples of um, of that uh, happening, uh, or you know your your faith sort of being in conflict. But I I, I hear about it all the time. I don't have. I'm such a. Um, I feel like I'm too my own person in my aesthetic and in my work. That I don't, um, I don't, I don't really uh, have a conflict with that mm-hmm. as much as mm-hmm. maybe some people do. I know that I've read many forums online and on Facebook groups with Catholic filmmakers constantly struggling with this whole thing where they're they're accepting jobs and work where uh, where many of their values are being constantly compromised, um, and that's a problem. I teach. That's what I do to make a living. I teach uh, directing, production, filmmaking in Manhattan. So, uh, uh, so it's, it's, um, it, and then what I do, I do. And I, what I make, I make, I Mm -hmm. I don't, I don't compromise on what Mm -hmm. I want to make as my art. It's my art. Um, granted, you know, if I were to try to get really big budgets and Mm -hmm. things like that for my films and I keep my budgets extremely small, um, what would that look like? And that's a big question. That a lot of the filmmakers that I'm a part of, the Eight Beats group, uh, that that created the Eight Beatitude films, uh, that we're here to present now at, at the at the university, um, and a few other kind of groups. You know, that's what that's a big thing now. Is like, how do we make relevant, important mm-hmm. films? Like, like really for the for the for the audience, for a nuanced Catholic audience? You know, it's it's uh, there are so many things about Catholicism that are so, I mean, we're so varied as people. Uh, I think the models are so crude in what we have available to us right now. They're so heavy handed with a certain agenda and certain ideas that, that kind of limit and take it, take, take away from the artistry of it. Literature is great. I read, I read, a an Andre, uh, Dubu's, um, a uh, short story recently, and I just find the I found the nuance of what it is to be a Catholic so complicated and so uh, beautiful when you really begin to lay it out and internalize, like take that internal matter, that internal psychic matter, and you try to kind of lay it out there into a work. It would be so complicated for donors catholic or non-catholic you know things always need to be cut and dry and that's the Mm -hmm. thing that really kills what it is that could be yeah um and so so we're trying to get around that we're really trying to figure out a way i mean how glorious would it be to have an industry uh yes you're going to have criticisms that's inevitable uh but to have an industry where voices many voices from the catholic world many artists are cultivated are, shepherd, are nurtured to create, are encouraged to create. Uh, nothing like that exists. We're so far behind in the artistry uh, we're so far behind in the sort of nuanced expression mm. of what it is to be Catholic that that uh, I, I worry that if we don't get started like tomorrow, we're really going to be in trouble.
0: Yeah, you, you. That's a great point, and I've thought a lot about this, and it's it's always baffled me. I mean, of course, our listeners can't see, but if you look around my room, when you look at two thousand year history of of Catholic art, Catholic music, I mean, we were on the front. Uh, you know, on the front lines, we were the the best painters, the best architects. I mean, I've got I've got a Caravaggio, I've got a Botticelli, a Velasquez. I mean, we. But you correct, you're correct that Catholic media, Catholic literature, Catholic novels in the 21st century. I mean, it's pretty awful. Um, I've always wondered why is that? How do we how do we go from producing this great art? Um, to to sort of doing mediocre films and mediocre novels and mediocre painting. What is there any? Do you have any insight in, as to why that is?
1: I I don't know. Somebody said to me, uh, "We're a hundred years behind." You yeah, know? I it's think like, that's right. uh, and the medium is about a hundred years old. Right, cinema. So it's just like, well, where where were we at the <laughs> beginning of, you know, when 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 the Russians and Eventually, Chaplin was doing. You know, I mean, Chaplin did amazing things for. You know, The Tramp to 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 take some lowly figure in uh, in society and give them this kind of uh, high status it was a pretty. That's kind of a miraculous uh, feat. Mm-hmm. And De Sica in Italy with the uh, Italian uh, neorealists, and and um, uh, after the war, did some pretty extraordinary stuff with mm-hmm. with cinema that had, uh, I think, a very Catholic. Um, Catholic spirit. Um, but what happened? Why? Right. What happened? I'm not really sure. Mm-hmm. I, I know that John Paul II in 1999 did the letter to artists, right? Uh, which, great letter. which uh, I reread recently. And there's this just like incredible call to, to really embrace the li- the stuff of life, uh, in all of its facets. I mean, I have quotes of it on my phone. We could get into that if you, mm-hmm. if you want, but, um, you know, so but but there is a because I think a lot of money is concentrated here in the United States for cinema. Um, I, I also, you know, this probably is old hat to you who who've thought about this is just kind of there. Europe has this when it came to art, there was kind of a more of an aristocratic perspective of art as leisure, whereas, you know, America has been constantly plagued by the Puritan, you know, art as utility, art as sure. will it will it feed the family? Will it feed, will it fend for itself financially kind of idea? Um, that hasn't really been reconciled and there isn't anybody courageous enough, as far as I know, among the financiers um, who are willing to Uh, to do that. You know, you have athletes, and an athlete will get onto a team, and it might take a couple of seasons for them to really show that they can shine. Mm -hmm. I think there are plenty of talented Catholic filmmakers who are going to need that type of uh, studio system idea, where you bring them in, you say, here, let me assign this to you. It's a smaller project, but get up on your feet. Yeah, maybe we'll have some secular mentors or bring in master classes from all kinds of people look you pay them they'll come you know (laughs) Uh, but what ultimately would be is to is is a vehicle for Catholic artists to work uh, constantly together to keep refining um, and to be encouraged and to be uh, encouraged to be courageous to look at ideas and push into territory that in a very blocky, it's a very, it's it's a crude block. Like, is there a message that has a Catholic theme? Is it clearly visible? Mm-hmm. That's a sense that I get. Right. Is it there? Yes or no? Uh, well, it's, it's a lot more complicated than that because there, right. there's this, this moral quandary that the central character had to go through to, goes through many transformations and at the end you're really left feeling like wow there's a lot to think about how complex and beautiful and mysterious is this world but, you know i do feel enchanted by it but can i say that there's a clear catholic message well i i, I don't know wait let me right. get back to you you know well then uh, i don't know if we're going to fund that <laughs> you know it's not it's not i'm sorry you didn't right. you didn't spell it out clearly mm-hmm. enough for us so so we're all kind of i don't know why that is you know under communism kishlovsky and zanusi and all of these, you know, Polish filmmakers were really able to kind of capture at least some some beautiful sense of mystery. Uh, what does you know in blue, for example? I don't know if you've seen Kishlovsky's Red, White, and Blue or his Decalogue films. Uh, films they are based on the Ten Commandments, but boy, like you want an interpretation of the Ten Commandments according to modern you know sensibility. Mm-hmm. Here is how complicated it is. Sure. Let me let me let me let's sure. see how you know what it is that maybe you know and, and it should challenge people and it should make us think maybe I've overly simplified everything and I'm actually uh maybe I'm not poor in spirit, or or, or maybe the I am foregoing a, a major tenant of my faith by being so um inflexible. in in what I am and what I think I believe to be true. Uh, Because it is truly beyond us. God's plans are truly beyond us. Mm -hmm. Let us explore that artistically. Always, always, always drawing courage from the Holy Spirit and always from from the sacraments, of course. But the complexity does not go away when you do that.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, last question. Um, you mentioned this sort of in passing a moment ago, but tell us why are you in Houston? Tell us about this eight beat, eight beats project that you're working on. So
1: eight beats is is in fact inspired by uh Decalogue films, uh, and it's a decalogues were of course ten ten one hour films based on the Ten Commandments in the pre- present day. The eight beats, the eight beatitudes are. Uh, based on uh, the uh, Beatitudes, as the Sermon on the Mount, um, also with a present-day um, uh, reflection. Mm-hmm. So, what is that? What is the poverty of spirit? Which was my uh, my um, film, Simon's Agony. Uh, what is what does poverty of spirit mean uh, in today's age, according to one artist's interpretation, sure. which is which is myself. Of course, you could assign those films to hundreds of artists. And have all kinds of um, uh, people come up with a variety of reflections on 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 the themes. Uh, in, in fact, a Dominican um, uh, by the name of uh, Father Tugwell wrote a book on the Beatitudes that I drew a lot of inspiration hmm. from. Also, a Dominican priest out of the uh, Dominican School of Philosophy and Theology in Berkeley led workshops. Uh, for for myself, before I even knew that eight beats was a thing that existed, <laughs> mm-hmm. from the Catholic Creatives Group and Sam Sorich and Anthony D'Ambrosio and, and a few people who put all of that together, I was already ruminating on what it would be like to make an eight part series of films uh, with a, with a, with one of the uh, image uh, editors, former image editors, Ron Austin. So it was a group of us in Berkeley, thinking and dreaming up and. Having uh, weekend-long retreats led by My Father Michael Sweeney, uh, who was the president of the DSPT, um, Dominican priest, uh, thinking about what what is what is it what is it about the Beatitudes that's pulling us together? Is it so? Whatever it was, whatever, however, the Holy Spirit moved us to to look at those. It was happening to the Catholic creatives folks mm-hmm. in uh, I, I don't know where they're out of. They're out of all over, but uh, I think. Mainly they're in um, somewhere in, in, in Texas, and Sam uh, Sorich is in Chicago. But um, basically, um, I had come across their uh, campaign, their mm. fundraising campaign. Sure. And I um, I was pretty upset. I have to be honest. My first instinct was, no, why somebody, somebody took my idea? But they were rolling. They were rolling with it. They were just there. They had a lot of movement. Mm-hmm. They had it going on. They already had uh, money raised, money dispersed to the various teams, everything. And so I reached out to Father Michael Sweeney and I told him what was going on. I sent him a link to what they were doing. And he said, reach out to them yeah and and, you know i hit myself on the forehead i was like oh yeah that's that's what (laughs) a i think that was the temperamental turkish part of me that maybe maybe took hold and i reached out to sam and he said yeah you know all the teams have been assigned already we're doing this all around uh the country uh but it's great to know uh that you're that you're doing this too and i and so we had a really great chat uh, and then some months passed, and then um, and then over on Christmas time a couple of years ago, he reached out and he said, "Oh, by the way, a team dropped out. They couldn't get their act together. Do you have anything to pitch?" And I had been working on a short film, uh, and I said, "Yeah, this is perfect for the poverty of spirit. Like perfect. Like l- let me send you the script." So he read the script. He got back to me. He's like, "Yeah, d- let's send it to the rest of the team. If they're good with it, um, let's greenlight this." Uh, and so they did. And then, I, and then a few months later, I was shooting Simon's Agony in New York City.
0: If any uh, of our listeners are interested in learning more about you or uh, the projects you've worked on, uh, where can they find you on social media? So my website is uh,
1: www.demirfilm.com. You can access a uh, contact uh, form on the website if you want to get into contact with me directly, or you can just email me, uh, demir At gmail.com. Also, www.simonthagony.com has more information on um, the film that I had mentioned. Um, And then I think 8Beats has a website, 8beats.com. It's a number 8, B E A T S. Um, So there are a number of ways. Great.
0: Dennis, thank you very much for joining me. Thank
1: you so much
0: for having me.